Uh, Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse number uh, 36, the Bible said, One of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. And when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed five hundred pence and the other fifty. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him the most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave the most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little." And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. I want to preach for just a few moments this morning on a faith that worships. And we realize from the Word of God that it does take faith to worship. The Bible said, For they that come unto Him must first believe that He is. We have in our text here uh, this morning a woman who comes to Christ with a very questionable past. And she engages in the holy act of worship, as we noticed. Her past and her worship cannot coincide in the mind of the host by the name of Simon. He cannot see a woman like this and her worshiping Christ. How could such a person with a sordid, wicked past approach Christ and be allowed to come so close in his presence? Especially if we think about the other places in the New Testament in which people seem to be turned away who were 
seemingly not as wicked as this woman had been. I think about the rich young ruler who came to Christ. No doubt Simon may have that in his mind. And, and uh, he said to him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And it seemed as though that Christ turned him away because of his love of his own money or his wealth. But yet that doesn't seem to be as corrupt as what is implied as far as this woman's past is concerned. I think about the money changers in the temple and how Jesus uh, put a whip together and drove them out because of their abuse of the people of God financially. And though that was evil and though that was ill-willed, it seems to me like it's not as bad as what this woman has engaged in. I thought about the Pharisees that came down to John to be baptized in the Jordan and they fasted and they prayed and they gave tithes. They were religious folks, but John said, no, you'll not be baptized today until you go forth and bring forth fruit, meat for repentance. But yet, it's in the question, and it's questioned in the mind of, of Simon. He said, how in the world can this woman with such a past be allowed to come and, and to worship Christ? The simple answer is found in verse number 50 where Jesus says to this woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. The key to all worship this morning is faith. If you are going to be able to come into the presence of the Lord, you will have to come through the worship door by faith. And this woman does. Her faith allows her to worship. It is your faith that allows you to worship. And so it's with these thoughts in mind that I want to preach on a faith that worships. I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about this woman's past, I'm thinking about her worship, and I'm thinking about her faith that allowed her to do so. Now there are three simple thoughts this morning that I would bring to your attention I want you to notice. First of all, I want you to notice how her faith, and that's, that's the key to her worship, I want you to notice how her faith allows her to worship in spite of her past. Now, she has a past. These are not harsh rumors. They are not idle gossip. It's not false innuendos, but this woman has an ugly past, and we want to see that. We want to lay the, the groundwork to, to the fact of this woman's past. It, it, it is stated. It is beyond question and beyond doubt that she, this woman who is worshiping Christ has a very dark, evil past. Notice with me how, first of all, this, this past is noted in Scripture. Look in verse number 37. And behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner. Now, this is not Simon talking. But this is what the inspired Word of God recorded. The Holy Spirit had it pinned down. said there was a certain woman in the city which was a sinner. So the, the fact of her past is noted in the very Word of God. The Scriptures tell us that she had a past. But can I say to you this morning that the same Scripture, the same Word of God, that tells us about this dear woman's past, also states that we've all had a past. The Bible said we've all come short of the glory of God. 
The Bible said there is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible said that all our righteousness is as filthy rags. So the truth of the matter is stated in Scripture, we all have had a past. But here's where faith must kick in. It is only faith that is going to accept the truth of the Word of God concerning your past. You must believe this Bible before you are ever going to accept the fact that you are a sinner and that you have had a past. And so by faith, this woman sees her past. It is, it is stated, it is a fact, it, it, we note it in Scripture. But notice with me down in verse 39, it is also evident in society. Simon picks up on it. He tells us, of course, in verse 39, for she is, the latter part of the verse, is a sinner. He's not contradicting what the word, he's coinciding with what the scripture had already said. But yet we know that if Simon knows about it, then evidently the people who who live in her community are aware of the lifestyle that she has been engaged in. Society knows about it. Can I say to you this morning, there's no way to hide your past even though you'd like to. If you've lived in Brunswick any length of time at all, your neighbors know about how you've lived. And I don't mean to hurt your feelings, but some of your kinfolks have sat around the supper table and talked about your lifestyle. Everybody, it's not as secret as what you think it may be. Uh, This past is noted in Scripture. It, It is known by society. Even the nature of it is no secret. It is supposed... Simon says in verse 39, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is. Now Simon implies that this woman didn't just get caught in telling a little white lie. Uh, She didn't steal a couple of bucks uh, from somebody. But he lets us know that her past, when he speaks, and I don't have to emphasize that, you can just imagine in your mind uh, that she has an immoral, a very deceptive, dark, degenerate, wicked past. It is, all, it is implied that it is the worst of the worst as far as her engaged uh, past is concerned. Uh, the nature of it is is supposed she she has a past. Now, if you think that's too harsh, look in verse number forty-seven. It seems as though that Jesus doesn't help her case any. He never comes to our aid as far as our past is concerned and argues on our behalf. Jesus doesn't say to Simon, Simon, you're just stretching the issue. I mean, she's not as bad as what you say she is. (laughs) But it's almost like he indicts her. He implicates her. In verse 47, Wherefore I say unto you, her sins, oh no, which are many. (laughs) He's saying, Simon, I know more about this case than what you think I do. 
I not only know she's a sinner, I not only know what she's been engaged in, but I know that it hadn't been a one-time circumstance. I know that she didn't just innocently stumble into some uh, 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 evil sin, but I know that this has been a practice. I know the very woman to tell you the number. I know the number of her sins. Her sins, which are many. The Savior even gives us a revelation of what her past is concerned. I'm emphasizing her past is stated. It is a fact. We know from reliable sources that this woman lived in sin, habitual sin, disgraceful sin, a constant and continual breaking of the laws of God, both morally, spiritually, and socially. She is a sinner. And Simon knows that. She has had a past. But look with me in verse number 47 again. We're talking about how her faith allows her to worship in spite of her past because she does have a past. It is stated. It is a fact. But did you notice what Jesus said in verse number 47? He said, Simon, yeah, she's got a past and her sins are many. But from the time of which you know about in her life to today, there has something happened that you don't know anything about. Her sins, which are many, here's the important fact, they're not only stated, but thank God her sins are settled. She not only has a past, it is a fact. But the important thing is her past has been forgiven. Can I say to you this morning, certainly none of us have come into the house of God with some kind of a halo, feeling as though that we have lived a life above all others in our past, which gives us the spiritual and legal right to look down on other folks and to take part in in the worship of the Lord. But I want to say to you that everybody that has sung a song here today has had to sing it in spite of their past. Because, honey, if your past was brought to light today, it would be a shameful one. There's nobody here today that has prayed that hadn't had to pray in spite of a past because you know that you've had one. And certainly I'm not preaching here today making you think that somehow I have never had a past. Yes, we've all had our past. But it is faith that has brought us here today and allowed us to worship because our faith knows We've had a past, but our faith also knows that Christ has forgiven our past. And that alone gives us the right and opens the door to our worship. Thank God we worship in spite of the past. She is not here on this day because she has no past. She is not here today because maybe her past was not as bad as others. She is here simply because faith has shown her her past is settled and forgiven. A songwriter said, The old account was large, 
It was growing every day. For I was always sinning and I didn't have anything to pay. And when I looked ahead, I saw such pain and woe. I said, I'm going to settle. And thank God, 37 years ago, I went to Christ. And I settled long ago. Oh, thank God I stand before you today preaching by faith because I know that my past has been forgiven. It takes faith to believe you've got a past and it takes faith to believe that Christ has forgiven that past which allows you to worship in spite. Allows you to worship in spite of the past. You know, the thing that blessed my heart is to realize that Jesus never refused her worship until Simon was satisfied. Isn't that a blessing? Why? Because of her faith. Faith is never delayed upon the basis of what others think they know. Faith is not awaiting the approval of some committee. Faith worships in spite of the past. Jesus never looks at this woman and under his breath says, No, not now, not now. These people here don't understand. And we're going to have to talk to Simon about this. We'll explain to him what's happened and how I've forgiven you. We'll get all this out in front. And then we'll bring it before the committee and see if the elders okay it and ask the deacons. And then we'll allow you to worship. Faith doesn't have to wait for that to happen. Faith is going to come and faith is going to worship in spite of the past. And if it has to, it'll worship in front of the past. Thank God. Isn't that amazing how some old drunk out here in the community can get saved and in a week or two be in the house of God just sitting there maybe on the front seat or singing in the choir or whatever and somebody said Brad I know him two weeks ago I saw him down at the bar yeah but since then faith has delivered him and saved him and given him the right to worship as everybody else can worship only faith can let you do that thank God she worships in spite, I say to you, I worship today in spite of my past. Faith allows me to do so. But now the second thing I want to bring to your attention, not only does she worship, faith allows her to worship in spite of that past. And can I say to you, if you're here this morning and you have not had your past forgiven and you are lost and you are a sinner, Jesus is here today. If you will believe on him and trust him, he will forgive. I promise you, he will forgive all that past and you too can know the joy of worship and of sins being forgiven. But the second thing I want you to notice with me, her faith allows her to worship in spite of the past. It's stated, it's a fact. But thank God it's been settled. It's forgiven. But her faith allows her to worship out of her past. As I mused and meditated and pondered over this scripture, I realized the truth that there is a good sense in which your past comes with you. You have nothing to hide. 
As a matter of fact, it is of absolute necessity that your past comes with you. You cannot worship unless you worship out of your past. Everything that has taken place here today that has come out of any of our hearts. The sister, as she sang prior to singing the song, she talked about what? How the Lord had saved her. She's talking about a deliverance from her past. And that's why she could sing. Everything that happens in an act of worship has a reference to our past. John Newton said it well when he wrote Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound. Haven't we all worshipped through that song? What did he say? Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. That what? Saved a wretch like me. (laughs) He said, I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, and now I see. He said, boy, I'll tell you, God has saved me. And he reaches back into that past and worships out of that past. You'll never be able to worship unless faith lets you worship out of the past. You'll never forget that. That's what heaven's going to be about. When we get to heaven, they're going to sing the songs, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world that hath redeemed us out of every nation, out of every tongue, out of every kingdom. Heaven's going to be us praising God out of the past. We'll never forget that. As a matter of fact, If I had come to you this week without being delivered from a past and all I had to preach to you was about how good I am and how good I've always been and how much I've achieved and how much like me you all ought to be. I've come up here to Brunswick to give you an example on how a human ought to act. And I'll just tell you, you ought to be like, wouldn't that be sickening five services of that? You said, where'd he come from? (laughs) But I didn't come to bring you that. I come to preach to you out of my past and tell you that the same Savior that died for you died for me. And the same sins you've been delivered from, I've been delivered from. All of my preaching and all of my worship has a reference to a past I've been delivered from. Oh, her faith allows her to worship, not only in spite of the past, but out of the past. Now, there are two things that comes out of that past with her that allows her to worship, and Jesus brings it to Simon's attention. He said, Simon, the reason why you can't worship, he said, I'm going to illustrate it to you. He said, there was a a creditor that had two debtors. He said, one of them owed 500 and one of them owed 50. Now, the 500, they tell me, is equal to over a year's uh, work, year's wages. But they had nothing to pay, and he forgave them both. <laughs> and he's illustrating that the measure of worship is equal to the amount of debt that has been forgiven by faith. And he lets us know that this woman, by faith, for the first time in her life, her faith allows her to see the significance of her debt. Can you remember the day and the hour when conviction gripped your soul and for the first time you realized you had transgressed the laws of God and you were a debtor and the bill had to be settled? 
Faith let her realize, oh God, I've accumulated a, a, a huge debt. Faith allows her to see the size of that debt that she had. The 500 is emphasized here. And somehow by watching this woman worship, I don't think she thought she owed 50, do you? Because I don't think the Holy Ghost ever convicted anybody of minor fractions and minor sins. When the Holy Ghost came to me and convicted my soul, he didn't say, now, son, you're a good boy and everything's good about you. You've always been good, but you do need little religion. No. Oh, she realized the, the very magnitude of her debt, the size of it. I heard a fellow testify a good while back and he was talking about what, what kind of an awful sinner he was before he got saved. Great transgressor, full of iniquity. And then he went ahead and said that he was nine years old when he got saved. I said, well, you know, what would you do? Steal a cookie from the cookie jar or something? How much sin can you get into in nine years? But here's the truth of the matter. When the Holy Ghost convicts a nine-year-old or a 90-year-old, He convicts them of the seed of sin that lies within them and the potential of that sin to bring forth the worst of the worst. As far as humanity is concerned, it lies within all of us. There is no telling where we would be today had God not delivered us from the very seed of sin. And when the Holy Ghost convicts you of that, you realize the magnitude of that sin. And that's what brings us to Christ to worship Him. An insurmountable amount. She realizes the significance of that debt. She realizes the size of that debt. She realizes the status of that debt. It is owed. He said they owed in verse number 41. Uh, can I say to you that, that heaven's debt is to be paid and is always due today? Because the Bible said today is the day of what? Salvation. Uh, this woman realizes that she owes and she owes now. And it must be paid now. And it has to be settled now. When the Spirit of God convicts us, He convicts us of, of sin. And I can remember when the Holy Ghost convicted my heart. I felt as though if I took another step, I'd drop off into hell. I didn't have time to get right. It had to be done now. She realizes the satisfaction of that debt. And verse 42 said, And when they had nothing to pay... <laughs> Did you realize that all heaven's debts must be paid in full? There is no partial payment. You can't send forth a little good works, uh, a Sunday school pen or a church membership or a water baptism and think that maybe when you get there we'll all even it up. Maybe it'll all iron out and somehow my good will outweigh the bad. No, honey, your sins must be settled in full today. If God comes and calls you out of this world and the account has not been settled, you're in trouble. Amen. Yes. <laughs> yes. 
I'll give you a little illustration and then I'll, I'll move on. I'm talking about this woman's worship. She worships out of her past, out of her past dead. She realizes what a fix she was in. I'm going to suppose, and I don't know anything about Brother Gary's life. I don't know anything about his finances. I know nothing about those things, but I'm going to use him as an illustration. Let's suppose I came to Brunswick, Maryland, this week to preach, and this morning, after the service, I talked to Brother Gary, and I find out that he's got a house that he bought, $250,000. He's got a $2,000 a month house payment. I'm just supposing. And uh, he's having a tough time. So I come by and I say, Brother Gary, I love you. And I've come by to see you. And, and, uh, and I want to give you a couple bucks on your house payment. $2,000 a month house payment. <laughs> what are you laughing about? How do you think that would make him feel? You know, in his heart he'd say, idiot. <laughs> that don't take no pressure off. I can't even buy a... R.C. Cole and the Moon Pie with two bucks. I don't know where he got that evangelist from. Somewhere out of them woods in Alabama somewhere. He can't figure, I'll tell you that. But now let's suppose now, and of course, Brother Gary, we're supposing. You understand that, okay? <laughs> let's suppose I came by this week and I said to Brother Gary, uh, how much you owe on your house? He said, well, I owe about... 200000 I said, well, the Lord sent me this way to take care of that. And uh, let's suppose I write him a check for $200,000 this afternoon. Now, how do you think that's going to make him feel? Huh? <laughs> he's going to be in the service tonight, and he's going to go, Woo! God's good! He's going to say, I'm going to tell you that preacher that, that our pastor got to preach a meeting's the greatest evangelist in the world. He's better than Billy Graham! <laughs> you can see the magnitude of that, couldn't you? Huh? <laughs> and that is no comparison to the awful debt of sin that lie upon every soul in this world when Jesus came into this world and died on Calvary and forgave you eternally of all those sins. No wonder she came and worshipped to such a degree she was worshipping out a magnanimous past and a debt of worship. She's worshipping out of her past, dead. Secondly, let me just mention this. She's worshiping out of her past deeds. Now, I had never seen this until just, like I say, meditating on the text. And I began to notice in the text what she is doing in her worship. She is kissing him. She is bathing his feet with her tears and her hair. She is breaking the alabaster box of ointment and pouring it on him. And it dawned on me that all of those things that she was worshiping Christ with were the tools of her past trade. That's all she had. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? The songwriter said, all I had to offer him was brokenness and shame. I didn't have anything when Christ saved me. All I had was my past. <laughs> But honey, I couldn't help but worship when he saved me from a past. I had to worship him. And they wasn't nothing going to stop her from worshiping. She's going to worship. But she didn't have nothing. So she just reached around and picked up the tools of her trade and put in a little pouch and headed for Christ. 
Now, before that shocks you, let me say to you, faith will always find a way to worship, and it'll be a right way. And here she comes into the presence of Christ and begins to worship Him, and that's what got Simon's attention. Oh, my soul, he said. Look at her. I can't believe she's even here, but look at the way she's acting toward this supposedly holy man of God. If he was God's man, he'd stop her. He'd know that that's that's not right. And Jesus rubs it in. He said, Simon, he knew what Simon said. He said, I need to talk to you a minute, buddy. He said, I noticed when I come into your house that uh, you give me no water. And said, uh, she's took the tears of her eyes and wet my feet. You know what, Simon, he's drawn up and not. You know what he's thinking? Yeah, and that's what's bothering me. If you had any sense, you'd know what she used to use them eyes for. You know what I mean? Huh? Are you getting the picture? Yes. He said, Simon, you, you, had, you hadn't greeted me with a kiss. said, she thought, she said, kiss my feet. He said, yeah, but that's what's got me. You know what she used them lips before? You ought to know that. <laughs> said, Simon, she's taking her hair and wiped my feet. And Simon's thinking, yeah, but you know how she's enticed so many with those, those locks of hair. And he said, Simon, you didn't anoint me. She's broken the alabaster. He said, yeah, but you don't, you know what she's used that perfume before. And we all know. <laughs> she just picked up what she had and went to Jesus. Somebody said, is that scriptural? Sure is. Have you ever read Romans 6? Where the Bible said, take those instruments that were young, those members that were one time yielded as instruments of unrighteousness and said, just bring them on over here. We'll sanctify those and you can use them as instruments of righteousness. Aren't you glad when the Lord saved you, he didn't just set you somewhere back in the corner and said, you're just so messed up and been so messed up, I can't do nothing with you, but I will save you. No, he said, you just come on just as I am. Come on like you are and I'll pick and choose what I can use. And in my life and in your life, he took me, he took these lips that one time used his name in vain, and now I proclaim him as Lord. He took this heart that was so cold and indifferent and rejected him, and now is warmed by his presence. He took this mind that was so wicked and vile and has sanctified it for his glory. I cannot help but worship Him. Not only in spite of my past, but out of my past. My past debt and my past deeds. I'm just amazed that He can do anything with me, aren't you? (laughs) Simon said, that's what's killing me. I thought if He was a preacher, you'd know better than that. She's worshiping by faith. But lastly, I want you to notice how faith allows her to worship not only in spite of her past. Faith allows her to worship out of her past. (laughs) But I notice in verse number 50, her faith allows her to worship beyond her past. 
Now underscore this. There is a negative sense in which your past can hurt you. God never intends for you to live in the past. God never forgave you and saved you so the cloud and condemnation of the past could hover over you. God never wants the vices of the past to lock you down and to hold you. And so he says to this woman in the presence of Simon, (laughs) he looks at her and he said, It is your faith that has saved you, but what I want you to do is not hang around back here where Simon can't turn loose of. I want you to go. (laughs) Aren't you glad faith will set you free from the past? Allow you to move on, not just to hang around back there and waller in there and be tied up and all that. But thank God He's given you a new direction. He's given you some new insight. He's set you toward a new goal. He's given heaven as your home. And He said, listen, go! Now they tell me that word go there in the Hebrew, in the Greek is in the, what's called the imperfect tense, which means He's not saying to him, to her one time, just go, just stand there. But it's a repetitious command. He's saying unto her, go, don't hesitate, go. Keep on going, don't turn around, go. Now just keep on going, go. In other words, the rest of her life, she's going to hear that word from Jesus. Go, 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 go. It's a command that never ceases in her ears and in her heart. Go, go, go. If she's gone 10 years, it'll still be go. Go, go. 15 years, go, go, go. 20 years, go, go, go. 30 years, go. If she lives 50 more years, she'll hear that command. Go, go, go. (laughs) She started back here and he said, go. I don't know how long she lived how far she went. For me, it's been 37 years that I've been going. (laughs) And I have gone so far as this woman. And he sends us so far that it seems as though that our past is just a faint memory. A vague insight. We know we had a past because faith tells us we've been delivered out of that past. But it's so far back there. (laughs) They'll thank God only faith lets us know that it ever even existed. Isn't that a blessing? I said to my wife, we came up through West Virginia where I was raised and I preached enough here for you to know how I was raised and all that back there. And, and, and we were driving along the little roads where I had lived in previous years. And I said to her, you know, it just seems like this never happened nor existed. It's only in faith that I know that it did. And could you hear that woman testify 50 years later as she stood up? And she said, I just want to thank the Lord for saving me. I was such a wicked, vile, ungodly. And now for 50 years, she's gone so far from that past until folks are scratching their heads saying, what? I can't believe she was ever engaged in that. (laughs) Why? Because she's been given the freedom to go from it. 
Faith allows you to move on, honey, not to live in the past. But someone would say, well, what if the past comes after you? What if you just can't shake it? Well, I've got good news for you. I notice that Jesus said in verse number 47 that her sins are what? Forgiven. I've studied that word forgiveness many, many times. But I wanted to look at it again in the context of that verse. And I looked it up. You can get your Strong's Exhaustive Concordance. And I looked it up. And you know, the first, if you look at it there, it says that the word forgiveness means to send away. <laughs> well, we know that in application of Scripture because the Bible said He's removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. He sent them away. He's put them behind His back. He's put them in the depths of the sea. He's put them as far from us as they can be. I mean, He has sent them away. But the context of it has the idea of a dog. Now, get this. She's been sent in that direction, but what Jesus is actually doing, he's trying to separate us from the past, so he sends in two directions. He said, honey, you go. Go, girl. Don't stop. But the, the word forgiveness has the idea of a dog. Have you ever visited someone that had a, a pup dog in age, but yet it was about full grown? Still chews on everything, still jumps on everything. We're looking around. Somebody's got one. Maybe the preacher. They <laughs> Just the other day, I visited a home, and I became the victim of such a dog. <laughs> this dog come barreling out, just a playful thing, huge, slobber everywhere. Young pup of a dog, full grown, and jumped right up on me. And come all the way down. Yes, muddy paws. And jumped again and jumped again. And the owner is just standing there looking, smiling. <laughs> oh, good to see you. Yes, good to see you too. <laughs> and then finally he said, the most grateful words that I have ever heard come out of a human mouth. He looked at that dog and it dawned on him as he slid down the third time. He said, Get out of here! I said, hallelujah. <laughs> That's what that word means, forgiveness. He says to her, I want you to go and keep on going, honey. Don't you come back to this past. You get out of here. I set you free. I give you the liberty to go. Not only are you able to worship in spite of your past and out of your past, but thank God from now on you can worship beyond your past. And then he turned around to that old ugly dog and he said, Get out of here! And he run her past off. That's what that word means. To send away. <laughs> I don't think he turned around and said to, to our past, Okay, now you get on out of here. <laughs> no. He said to my ugly, my ungodly, my awful past, you're not coming back around here. You've got no right in his life anymore. And what I'm going to tell you, and I love it when he said, yeah. Get out of here! Yeah. <laughs> he said, For all those 15 years, 
Before I was saved, yeah, out of here. He said to all of those years that you were entangled in whatever you were entangled in, get out of here! I like that, don't you? She is able now to worship beyond that past. But she must do so by faith. Only faith will let you know that. And can I say to you this morning, the next time your past comes a snooping around like an old dog, find you a good old gospel rock. This, this and here's a good text. And just haul off and throw it at him. You'll know when you've hit him. He'll just take on down the road. Run the devil and all the past off. He said to her in verse 50, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. She worships. We worship today. She worships in spite of the past, out of the past, and beyond the past.